God, what a, what a risky thing to pray. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. God, say what is true. And yet, God, those of us who have, have come to know you through the grace of Jesus, we know that it is a risk worth taking. God, to open up our hearts before you and say, God, speak to me, whatever it is, God. Not what I want to hear, not what I expect to hear, but God, what you desire to say to me. And so, God, that's so much more than a song this morning. That's our prayer together, God, that you would speak what is true. And that, God, as we hear your voice this morning, Father, that you would do a work in us, God. God, do a work in us today. We pray in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You guys, be seated. Good morning. Man, it's great to see you all here this morning. We got the most of the flu is behind us, the ice storms are behind us, the Super Bowl is behind us. Not that anybody here missed for the Super Bowl. Um, so glad to have you all here this morning. Those of you who've been sick, it really is good to see you back. Some of you have been traveling. Um, it's great to see you. If you're visiting with us today, honored to have you. you you've stepped into our church on a really exciting day, um, as you're going to hopefully get to see yourself with your own eyes here in just, just a moment. Um, if you are visiting with us today and I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd be honored to get to meet you, to introduce myself to you, get to hear your name and how God brought you to our church. Uh, so I'll be hanging around at the end of the service um, to do that. Um, but just know this, this church is, is an amazing church family. Um, I have the honor of leading as pastor, but I do so with, with five other elders. There are six elders who lead the church. We've got uh, two guys who are in the option period, uh, who are in that kind of uh, training period right now. And so potentially in just a few months, we'll have eight elders uh, leading the church. And so um, be honored to tell you more about uh, what God is doing in the church if you have time after the service. Um, we're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. If you want to go ahead and, and head that way in, on, in your Bible um, or on your phone or your, your tablet, your gadget, um, we'll have it on the screen as well. Um, there are Bibles under the seats around you. If you're here today and you don't own a Bible, that's our free gift to you. We don't want anything from you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word, and we mean that. Nobody's going to look at you funny if you tuck that thing under your arm and head out. That's our free gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. All right, so we are, um, as you've already heard in the service, we're wrapping up. Um, our all-in series today um, with Commitment Sunday. So just let's talk through some things. First of all, uh, we were a few months ago when we were getting all the plans together and picking the dates on when the all-in series was going to fall in. We we're like, hey, what do we, what do we call this thing? Because we did all-in last year. So do we say like all-in again or I'm still all in, and, 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 and we had some fun with some different ideas, but ultimately it boiled down to this, that the title isn't changing because we're still after the same thing. Those two words, all in, which reflects really two things. One, on a personal level, when I say I'm all in, right, what we're saying is that um, my desire is to love God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength, all of me. But when we, we say all in, we also mean that we're doing it together. All of us taking this journey, this step of faith together. And, and I've said at the beginning of all the sermons this year in the series, and so I'll say it again today. If you walk away from today or this sermon series or you see a t-shirt that says all in and you immediately associate that with buildings or with money, you've missed it. That's not the main point. 
Now, we know that that's part of the conversation as we look at all that God is doing in our church and through our church, and, and we believe that God is, is, is positioning and posturing solid rock to be even a, a more vibrant beacon of hope to this community in the days ahead, and we know that means creating more space, and it means talking about buildings and all those kinds of things. What we're after here is making God famous on this side of town, like that's First and foremost, we want people to know Christ, to be transformed by Christ. And as we create more space through buildings, what we're doing is following God's lead and just watching him do an even more amazing work through this church. And that's what All In is about. Every person who calls Solid Rock their home, loving the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we're doing it together. And so the first week of the series, we looked at a parable from Jesus where Jesus talks about um, a master who leaves behind his resources with three in particular servants. And, and one uh, has got quite a bit entrusted to him, another one a little bit less, and another one even less. And we looked at this story, how when the master returned, he, he called his servants into account to, to ask them how they had invested those resources he had entrusted to him. And that primary principle we learned from that parable is that everything belonged to the master, not the servants. They were just entrusted with the master's resources to invest them according to his intentions, his purposes. And we, we look together and we learn together that that's our lives, that every person in this room has been entrusted by the master with his resources, that my stuff isn't my stuff. My money isn't my money. My house is not my house. My things are not my things. These are all resources that I've been entrusted with to invest in the kingdom. And it was, it was such a liberating day because we talked about how, yes, a portion of that comes back to God in, in a sense of supporting ministry in the local church, but you know that, that that's not it. God also calls me to take care of my family. So when I'm feeding my boys food, I'm investing resources the way he intended me to invest in. When I'm putting new tires on my wife's car so she can get to work safely, like all of that's part of what God expects me to do with those resources. And of course, we talked about meeting our financial obligations, right? That when we make commitments, whether it's to, you know, on a mortgage or a credit card or our obligations to the IRS, that as Christ followers, that's part of these resources God has entrusted to us to, to meet our legal obligations. And then if there's some left, guess what we get to do? We get to enjoy it. All of this is under the umbrella of resources that God has entrusted to us. And it was just such a liberating day. And the next week we came back and we looked at the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, this, this monumental moment for him where He's, he's ushered into the presence of God and he sees a throne room and these angelic beings and immediately, immediately he's overcome by his own sin. And he says what? Woe is me. I'm unclean. Matter of fact, I look around and all I see are unclean people. We're all unclean. And then what does God do? He responds to that confession of repentance by atoning for Isaiah's sins and forgiving him. And then the very next thing out of Isaiah's mouth is what? Here I am, send me. And we looked at how we went from like, woe is me, to here I am, send me, in this beautiful moment of atonement and forgiveness in his life. We talked about our own lives that way, that it's those who are saved who have been called to live the mission. It's not about if you've been called to missions, the question is, are you saved? Right? If the answer to that is yes, then you're called to live this mission just like Isaiah. Last week, we, we looked at the early church in Acts 2, this, this moment of just the church birthing and exploding and coming to life. 
One sermon gets preached, the gospel's presented, over 3,000 people respond to the gospel, believe the gospel, are baptized, and then immediately what? They're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to breaking of bread. And we looked um, long and hard at this word that translates fellowship, koinonia, and what that represents. It's more than just coming in casual contact with one another. It's more than just being acquaintances. It describes an intimacy of relationship between all who know Jesus as their Savior. So rather than just passing by one another, we stop, we hug, we shake hands, we say, we ask the second, how are you really doing? Right, we roll up our sleeves and we get involved in one another's life, this beautiful koinonia. And it also describes what happens when we bring our contributions together, that it's, it's all in together. And so this beautiful moment where like 3,000, think about just like one particular man in that group of 3,000. The day before, wandering the streets of Jerusalem, in and out of the marketplace, doesn't know Jesus, living for himself, hears the gospel preached, right? Responds in faith, believes it's baptized, boom, the next day he's devoted to the church. And what was just dripping out of that story was two things. One, generosity. This brand new Christian's like, man, I'm just going to sell stuff and meet needs. And the second thing was what? Mission. 3,000 people get saved on the front end. People start just generously giving their stuff to meet the needs of others. Verse 47, what? Said what? And God kept adding to their number daily those who are being saved. Two chapters later, we read that over 5,000 people now have been saved. Chapter 4 of Acts. And so without a Sunday school class, without an all-in series, without a Dave Ramsey class, just this natural response to the gospel is just dripping with, with mission and generosity. And this week, what we're going to do is just ask the, the simple question, why? What takes this random man walking through the streets of Jerusalem, minding his own business, concerned with himself, to being sold out for Christ? Giving generously, living sacrificially, living for the mission of Jesus. What, what takes Isaiah from, woe is me, I'm a wreck, to, hey, ooh, ooh, sign me up, here I am, send me. Two weeks ago, we briefly looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today, we're just going to look at two verses together, verses 14 and 15. Let's read this together. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Three really powerful things that just jump off the page at me. First of all, when we look at a guy like Isaiah and say, how did you go from like, right, from a wreck, the sinner, embarrassed to be in God's presence to like just a few verses later, living as a missionary, like, right? We know that Isaiah wasn't like, you know, destitute and down on luck and, you know, struggling for money. He came from a noble family, from royalty, had a family, had a lot of things going for him. So what compelled him? To make that shift. Did you catch it in verse 14? The love of Christ. 
Now, some translations have the word control, others have compel, two different ways. It's this stirring, compelling notion deep inside that begins to take control of your life and direct your life in a certain way. That's what happened to Isaiah. That's what happened to the 3,000 Christians at Pentecost in Acts 2. And if you're saved, that's what God is doing in your life. He's compelling you. By what? By guilt? Nope. By a checklist of do's and don'ts? Nope. By a set of religious hoops, and if you jump through them, if you wear the right clothes, you do the right thing, you say the right thing, then God will be pleased with you? No. Those things don't compel us. Those things just make us feel guilty, shameful, embarrassed, less than, not adequate. What compels us is the love of Christ. We've said this multiple times. I want to say it again. When we get to the commitment part of this service, if anything other than the love of Jesus is compelling you, stay seated. You hear me on that? Stay seated. When we make commitments to God, we're not trying to impress him or anybody else. We're simply responding to his goodness towards us. We can't not do it, right? In light of how gracious he's been to me, in light of the magnitude of what it took for him just to forgive me, let alone the rest of you, right? When we, when we stand in awe of the magnitude of God's grace and goodness to us, we, like Isaiah, have no other response but to say, what? Here I am. Send me, use me, work through me. Whatever you want to do in and through my life, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. The second thing I see here in verse 15, here's what happens. We see it in all these stories. That those who live might, not, might no longer live for whom? Themselves. What's the assumption of that verse? That before Jesus, we already live for who? Ourselves. I can make the, the biggest case in the world as an anthropologist, as a, socio, a social worker, that I'm living for other people, but in reality, right, I'm living for who? Me. The only thing that compels me to no longer live for me is the love of Christ. That's what catapults my life from this trajectory where I'm making Jason known, I'm making his will be done, I'm building his kingdom, and then I encounter Christ and it catapults me to a totally different trajectory. To no longer live for me, but to begin living for whom? Jesus. And then the third thing is this. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this and I would just land there for just a moment in in a personal way for you have you concluded that that word concluded is the idea of solidified resolved no longer wavering on whether or not I'm in with Jesus or not I have concluded the love of Christ compels me to no longer live for me but to now live for him if you're, uh, if you're taking notes with us today in the All In booklet, I'm going to hit a couple of statements here. The first principle I'm going to point out is this from all that we've gone through in this series. My salvation compels. My salvation compels me to let go of trusting in myself 
and completely trusting in God. Think about how risky that was for Isaiah. In this moment, again, had everything going in life, right? And then he has this moment with God, and then before the moment's over, he signs up to be a lifetime missionary. He hadn't even talked to his wife yet. That's risky. He hadn't even asked God, okay, here's a map. Show me where I'm going to land. Give me a timetable. He said, here I am. I'm signed up. That's risky. My salvation compels me to let go of trusting in myself and to begin to trust in God and him alone. And that's risky. But hear me say this. It's worth it. It's worth it. Is God going to call you to sell your stuff and move to Tasmania or Afghanistan or some other stand I can't even pronounce? I don't know. I tell you this, if he saved you and he's working your life, he's calling you to this community first to live on mission. That's not negotiable. A few of us, he's going to send out even further, right? But everyone is called to live the mission. Principle number two. My salvation compels me to submit my life to the mission of God. The mission of God. I now no longer live for me. I now live for him. My daily routine is no longer centered about what I want to accomplish, but it's now centered around what he desires to accomplish through me. Now, I no longer go to work and clock in simply to make a dollar to bring home. I'm living the mission. It's my mission field. I get paid as a missionary at my job to be a missionary, right? Go home, pull into a driveway, maybe even into a garage. The mission doesn't stop when the garage door shuts. I've been called to live the mission in that neighborhood. Now, the calling is there. Again, the question is, have you concluded that? Have you submitted to that calling in your life? My salvation compels me to submit my life to the mission of God And this third thing, and I would say for most of us, maybe even the most important component of all of this, my salvation compels me to believe that the mission of Jesus is the best, it's a really important word, best investment of my life. I think for too many of us, we look at what God is calling us or potentially calling us to do, and we see that as an alternative route. Just a different way to get to the end. And so we think about, do I want to go this way? And I think even treating all in like that, like, yeah, I'm signed up for, for 12 months. I'll deviate from what I was doing. I'll take this alternate route, and then I'll get back on track with what I was doing before. And God's saying, no, you missed it. My calling is not an alternate route for you. It's coming to a place where you're compelled and you realize it's the best route, maybe even the only route that any other path I take in life is going to end in heartache and brokenness and destruction and darkness and and death and this path that God is compelling me down it's the only way and it's better than anything I could have come up with on my own Isaiah wasn't taking an alternate route he was taking the only route he could see from that position in his life these 3,000 Christians Right? They weren't just taking an alternate route for a while. We're going to try out the church life for a while, kick the tires and see how it goes. Right? This is a new, new thing. We need to just kind of check this out. No, they were all in from day one. Not an alternate route, the only route. My salvation compels me to believe that the mission of Jesus is the best investment of my life.
Now, let's just take for a minute to talk about our commitment time today. Some of you here today are visitors, and we're so thankful that you're here, and we want you to know we expect nothing from you, okay? Don't feel awkward sitting there when other people are getting up later, okay? We expect that to happen. We're actually excited that you're going to get to be here and kind of witness this moment, okay? Um, those of us who call Solid Rock our home, members, regular attenders, um, listen to me. The motive has to be the love of Christ and that alone. Hear me on that. That is our motive. Our commitment cards, on a practical level, they're helpful for the elders to kind of know how to plan and what to plan for. But more significant than that, this needs to be a journal entry of what you have heard from God. You writing down what you've heard. And we're going to have time in just a minute to pray through that, just to solidify that and dedicate that to the Lord. Now, it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of work to build a biblical case that God calls leaders to take the first step. Um, whether you're looking at Joshua 1 and 2, the nation of Israel crossing over the Jordan, everybody's packing up their tents, they're like, whew, we've been here for 40 years, we're finally crossing over that river. All the families are packing up their stuff, getting ready to go, but who goes first? The priests. They pick up the ark. And the water doesn't part until the, the, the first leader takes the first step of faith into the river and the water separates and the whole nation follows behind. We look at King David's example in 1 Chronicles 29 where he's actually initiating the first like, big fundraiser for building a temple for God. And before he comes to the nation and says, hey, who wants to pitch in on this thing? What does he do? He goes first to his treasury, to his bank account, to his treasure, and he parts with it all and says, boom. And so he says to the people, hey, I'm already in. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not already doing myself. I'm in first. Now, who will follow me? This year, it was super important that the leaders go first. And I asked our elders and our staff to make their commitments first. And they've already turned in their cards, they've prayed through this, have submitted and dedicated this to the Lord. I think that it's important for you to know. Our elders aren't asking you to do something that they themselves are not doing themselves. Now, not only have our leaders um, stepped up and taken that first step, uh, but our kids and our students have too. Uh, this past Wednesday night, we had a commitment time for our students right here in this room and for our kids over in the other building, and so we're going to watch a little footage uh, from this past Wednesday night.
committing to God at church, that you're uh, committing to God at school, at home, anywhere you are, that you're not being distracted by everything else in the world, that you always come back to Him. My commitment was just to stick with God. Like, if I ever needed help, I would just talk to Him first. All in means to me you put all your effort into worshiping and praising Christ and not drifting away and not leaving Him. When you see somebody that's having a hard day or something, just show them God's love and just love on them and hope that they have a better day. I want to help others and to to uh, focus on worshiping Christ. My commitment is to love and serve other people. My commitment is to give more love, more time to God. My all-in commitment um, means to me that I'm donating my time or money um, towards the church. Um, last year I com uh, committed on donating $200 and um, I'm doing the same this year and um, doing the kids ministry also. I would like to live my life in Christ and to help do what I can to spread his word. My all-in commitment means to me that I devote my life to Christ and that I devote my time to the church in being here as much as I can. My commitment was to start sharing the gospel more with my friends and be more outspoken in how I feel about it and to spend more time with the church. Last year my commitment was to spend more time with the church and I succeeded in that by joining the youth tech team and I continue to succeed in that. pretty inspiring, huh? And even challenging uh, to know that not only our leaders are stepping out first, but our students and our kids are saying, dude, I'm all in. What's the hesitation? I'm all in. And it's so crazy that as adults, right, we build in those hesitations and we're always questioning the motive and weighing things out. And I love that childlike faith that's just like, yeah, it's like Isaiah, I'll go. Sign me up. I'm in. And I think it's challenging to me to think about that, even the hesitations I've had and the wrestling that I've had to do. And uh, so that's inspiring. Hopefully you were challenged and inspired as well. Um, you know, on a, just a practical level, I've told you from the beginning, we're not doing this because we're hurting for money. We're not. But God is just blessed in, in such an amazing way. Like, like last year, we committed for the first 12 months $750,000. We're at six. 65 right now with still like five or six weeks left before we hit that marker but if you look at where we were two years ago like that's just crazy crazy and and, and God has just been doing this work not to make us rich and not to help us buy better chairs so we can be more comfortable because he he truly we believe as an elder body he truly is expanding his work here on the west side of Fort Worth and that's why the generosity has been so amazing. But it's so important to reiterate, the primary goal is this. First of all, every person here thinks about your relationship with Jesus and whether or not you truly are all in with him. Loving him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. As we've reiterated today, that means what? That means trusting. I can't just say I love God and then not trust him. It means submitting to his mission for my life. I can't just say I love Jesus and then live my own pathway. And it also means what? Declaring that what I believe what Jesus has for me, you know, it's risky to surrender, but I believe what I get from him and what he calls me to do is going to be better. 
And so I think before we go any further in the service, I would encourage you to think about those three questions. Have you come to a place in your life where you truly trust in Jesus more than you trust in yourself? Have you, have you come to that place in your life where your life is submitted like Isaiah? Here I am, send me. Have you, have you bought into that? Like what Jesus has for you is better? There's three things I want us to wrestle with. We're gonna listen to another couple from our church share a brief testimony um, about this journey and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna pray together and then we're gonna do our commitment time. So if you'll just take a moment, let's listen to another testimony. Hi, my name is Ryan Petchel, and this is my wife, Melissa. Um, we have three awesome and beautiful daughters, uh, Nicole, Macy, and Claire Bear. We've been attending, I've been attending Solid Rock for eight years, and she's been attending for 15 years. She actually is the one that invited me here. Um, and we've just been blessed in so many different ways. I'm now leading the, the greeting team here, and she served faithfully in the kids' ministry all this time as well. So about 15 years ago, um, uh, God led a friend and I to Solid Rock. That year, that first year that uh, we were coming here, um, God completely changed my life um, and brought me closer to Him. I met Ryan and I invited him here and um, he um, fell in love with our church as well and he felt at home here. Um, God has done so much for, for my, my family and, and I. Um, just through the people, through the, the, the community groups, um, just people loving on us in, in times, I mean, good times, bad times, everything. Um, it's, just, it's, it's just been amazing. The, um, the, there was one time where we went through a very difficult um, time and our community group um, really stepped up and um, just loved on us and um, really blessed us. Um, Ryan and I um, had decided that I would stay home with Claire, and so I quit my job, which was very difficult. Um, and then shortly after, just getting used to that, Ryan actually lost his job. So we were, um, we went through a really tough time, very, very tough time. Our, uh, our church and our community group actually um, they just poured into our lives. They ministered to us. They loved on us, comforted us, um, helped us to keep our focus on God and um, to really trust Him. And um, they blessed us um, in many ways, even financially. They really made us feel loved. And uh, we saw God working through so many people here during that time. And it really helped grow um, our faith and um, our trust in God and trusting His plan. Um, well, we, we give to Solid Rock because this is our home. Um, you know, we love it here and we have seen um, evidence of God's work here and we've seen, um, you know, a lot of growth and we've seen God work through the people here. We want to contribute, you know, our time and our finances in any way we can. Um, to help further, you know, further God's kingdom and, um, you know, to be a part of the work that he's doing here. I was a little apprehensive because, you know, obviously that could mean we need to 
give financially more, we need to serve more. It just a lot of things were going through through my head. And as I talked, you know, with my wife, um, you know, we kind of just talked about what that looked like. And we thought, you know, God, He's already all in with us. He's already taking care of us in every way He can. And, you know, it's all His money. It's, it's all His time and everything. And, and who are we to, to keep, keep that away from Him or our church? Like, like Melissa said, this is our home. And, and we're called to, to be here and serve here and, and just be all in, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. Even when it's not exactly comfortable. Um, and, or easy. So whenever we were talking about the um, all-in and um, coming up with a plan for the next year and what that looked like and you know coming up with a number to write down, um, um, it, it was difficult. But um, God, again, showed up big and um, made that completely possible. Um, for us to do. Uh, it, it wasn't always easy in every situation and there was definitely some times of temptation um, but uh, Sister in Christ here at Solid Rock um, helped encourage me in that situation and remind me that um, this isn't this isn't our money, this is God's and um, what we're doing with it needs to glorify Him. We need to be good stewards of our finances. Um, however that may look and how un however uncomfortable that may get. If you're thinking about <clears throat> participating in this all-in initiative and, and if you're like me or, or my wife Melissa and just a little apprehensive or maybe even uncomfortable, just know that, that God, He's already shown up big in this church. He's already shown us this is where we need to go and that we need more room to be able to love on the people in this, in this neighborhood and White Settlement and the surrounding areas. And uh, we're just gonna we're gonna honor him in that, and I would ask for you to to do the same.